everyone, welcome back to another episode of Don't Be So Dramatic. My name is Rachel and this is the podcast where I talk to different people in the entertainment industry to discover what their job involves and how they got there. For this week's episode, I have with me Jai Curry. Jai is a director as well as a producer and writer. Jai's most recent feature film, Beat, which is a drama psychological thriller is what I would categorize it as. Um, In Australia, it's currently streaming on Stan. So if you haven't watched it yet, I definitely recommend. Jai also recently released a short documentary with Craig Hamilton called One Conversation, which talks about Craig's mental breakdown that he had many years ago and how he dealt with that. I will link everything below. I will link Jai's social medias and anything to do with those two films. If you feel so inclined, you can give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcast. And you can also always reach out to us on social media. But without further ado, let's jump in. Jai, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. That's good to hear. So you are a director, you're a writer, and a producer, I guess, as well. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so much. I'm a producer. I'd like to like just. I, I normally just. I'm a. I'm a director. I, yeah. I still, for some reason, and a still, writer yeah, though. I, I, I don't know why. I just still um, something in my like in my head. It just doesn't sound. Real, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's one no. of the things. I just never see myself as one. But yeah, I, I, I get that. I completely get that because, um, like, you probably you know write scripts so you can direct them because directing's what you do, right? Which is the same as me. Like, I write scripts so I can act in them, and so I'm never like, oh yeah, I'm a writer. I feel like when you say you're a writer, it's like those people that write full time kind of thing, and I don't feel that way. Yeah, so. it's it's funny. I've been like like I've, like I was saying before. I've been writing for the last uh, like three months, getting this next script sorted. Mm. So I'm like every day <laughs> just writing away, and still don't. It just doesn't. And you're like, yeah, yeah but I'm not a writer. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, well, I wonder where did your interest in the entertainment industry first start out? Oh, I guess I um. I started doing photography when I was like like quite young, like always just been interested in like like photography. So like just that visual, like capturing like a visual thing, whether it's like people or landscapes. I've done a lot of traveling and um, photograph like people on the streets and stuff like that. Okay. And um, it slowly just turned more and more into, um, I guess, like capturing people in the streets. I wanted to capture their story in a single photo mm-hmm. and then that just slowly evolved more into um, I can tell a story with like more time and then it just turned to video and it started out like just me and my mates were just stuffing around with like making like little skits, like little comedy, yeah. like like videos and stuff and I was literally doing everything so I'd like film it, I'd be lighting everything, I'd be telling them where to like, like where to stand, we're working out blocking and like just self-teaching, like just you'd go back and try to edit it and then it's like, oh, that doesn't work because you can't cut from here to here without that shot. So then the next time I knew what I needed to do and just going through the whole process every single time doing every role, it was just me. Yeah. Um, slowly like led to um, like writing little scripts, like little yeah. like, um, like, like little drama things with the boys and um, – and then, like, we would start, like, like oh, okay, to save their time because I'm asking them mm. to just, come, like, come and, like, let's try to make a short film. Um, 
pre-production slowly come into it. So we'd start like writing shot lists and I'm like just doing it all that on my own and slowly just worked out what I needed to do to cover like if we start here and we like the end product is to have like this video. That's just, crazy. Yeah, it just slowly come around like that. But, oh, um, my God. Yeah. That's like, you know, you just say it so blasé. Like, oh, yeah, I just learned how to write a shot list. But I don't like for our listeners that haven't written a shot list and haven't figured out like a, a schedule, like a shooting schedule, that's not easy. Like to figure it all out yourself, like what, like how did you kind of figure that out? That's, like, blown my mind. Yeah, I guess it was. And it was just one of the things where it was, like, a lot of just short short films we were just doing. And I felt like I was just asking so much from my mates. Yeah. And, like, I had, like, family members. I'm like, oh, we've we've got, like, a little cafe today and, like, he's going to run in and rob it. So we need, like, some people to be turning, like, extras. And because I'm asking them for their time, I was naturally just like, how can I make this as efficient as I can? Naturally, and I'm like, okay, and from all the other films that we'd done, I was like, I know I need these shots at a minimum. So, like, let's go and get these. And if we've still got time and I'm not pushing it, I can try to get more coverage of some cutaway shots and just slowly, like, I guess it was just over time, just always just playing. Mm. Um, just worked it all out, I guess. Like, I, I did go to university. I went to, okay, um, all right. but I'd done a degree in communications and it wasn't like it was a lot of theory and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, the classic degree that people do when they don't know what they want to do. Yeah. Yep. is the communications degree. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's insane. So were you also like camera operating and like DOPing and stuff as well? Yeah, so i done, oh um, so before Beat, i done a short film, Victim, which won a bunch of international awards. Mm-hmm. And there was literally like the crew was, it was me, Ollie, Kate and Jack Makeup. So it was like four of us. Wow. And we, um, like we're going up against short films that have like 20 people on them. Mm. But it was, like, the same thing. Like, I'm directing it. I'm being the DOP. I'm editing it, trying to produce it, whatever. Yeah. Like, whatever you'd call that. Like, we were just, it was literally just a bunch of, like, the four of us just putting in effort and just trying to, like, we are all doing, like, multiple roles and figuring it out. And it was the same thing with, like, Beat, to be honest. Like, we still, there was about uh, 95 people between cast and crew. So, still, like, a, it was big up. It's still, yeah. like, not a massive um, feature film at all. But, sa- most people, especially myself, still had multiple roles we had to cover just because mm. of like finances and time and restraints. So yeah, well, with victim, like you're working with four people, but it's also getting all of these awards that are going up against like bigger budget films. So I guess you really needed to make it look good, essentially, and mm. hire the right people. So. How did you kind of work out that that's the way to go when you don't have a big budget, when you don't have a hell of a lot of people working for you? Like what made you go, oh, okay, I need like I need to be 100% in these other areas to make it successful? Well, that's what I've always like the biggest question I always had was like you'll see two films side by side and one just looks so much better. Yeah. And they're both, it could both be like a, a mid shot. Mm. And it's just like, why does this one look more cinematic? And I'd just be like just breaking down movies like that all the time and even like just watching movies on mute and like not hearing the sound just visually just watching like why does it look so much better and then like realising how much lighting comes into it, how much the art directing comes into it, how much the makeup comes into it and like the framing and it could be a mid shot but they've like positioned it just slightly here and added a bit more depth of field or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. and just trying to really break down all these components of it and just, I guess, 
and it was one of the things just over time like I'd make a little video and I'm like that could be so much better what's wrong with it and I'd just like analyze analyze the shit out of it until I was like it's that and then I'd for the next one I'd make sure like we were over that and mm. I'm still doing it now like I think I'll always like it's, oh, it's, almost, always it's, almost, like a, it's almost like a problem I just can't watch anything now without trying to it's hard for me to sit back and enjoy a movie because I'm just yeah. constantly just trying to break down how they've done that. Like, why is it lit that way? And now he's. <laughs> it's the same with, like, you know, go back to script writing as well. I feel like I keep going back to a script that I've written and I'm like, don't like that bit anymore. That's not good. Like, I thought a few months ago it was fine, but it's not fine anymore. And so you're just constantly, like, going back and improving. And, like, same with podcasting, you know, like, you. Event, like improve over time and eventually go, why was I interviewing in that style before? Why was I saying those things? That's so, like, mm. that doesn't work. And it's kind of exhausting. Mm. <laughs> but it's, you know, the way that we evolve as creatives and it's the way that we work and get better, I guess, um, and hopefully, you know, um, put out better work each time. But um, did you grow up in Newcastle? Newcastle, yeah. Okay. Were you, was there anyone around you that was a filmmaker or were you no. just kind of like... I feel like I want to do this. Yeah. And everyone around you was like, oh, okay, we don't know anything about it. Like, yeah. w- was that the situation? Yeah, it was literally like like I'd make a video of nothing. Like it would be like my dog running around the backyard. <laughs> I was like a little kid and I but I just loved the process that much. Yeah. And it just led from one to another. I still haven't been on a film set. I've only been on my own. Like mm. even when we're doing like shoot and beat, um, in my back, in the back of my mind, I kept thinking all these actors that we're working with have been like over in America and like been acting all across Australia. And I'm like, I have no idea what a film set. I'm like, <laughs> what are they thinking? It, but we were getting good like uh, like feedback, and everyone was just like, it's mm. great. And like, um, yeah, like just like the set was so fun, and everyone was mm. like, so at the end of the day, like we got the movie made, so like I guess. <laughs> It's <laughs> all that matters. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about Beat. So Beat is um, your newest film, which is now on Stan. So everyone can go and watch it if you haven't yet. But I know a hell of a lot of people have. Um, so one, where did the concept come from for Beat? Um, I've always had like an like um, I've always been intrigued by um, like the theme of homelessness. So like okay, um, like just traveling. Uh, like being homeless in Australia and America is like one thing, but then like I've travelled like all through like Asia, like India, um, Africa, and seeing like people homeless in them countries is just like next level. Like you're seeing um, like I've got photos of like a seven-year-old lady in Nepal and she's just spent like a whole life on the streets and she's still homeless and it just blows my mind to think like we can just go to bed every night mm. and just like it's just something that's so taken for granted like um yeah like it, it's just it's just always been in my mind and I've always wanted to like in, like incorporate it into a film somehow or explore it and um me and mum get together and have like coffees and just we just <laughs> bounce back and forth like really fun ideas or uh whatnot and I guess it just started like we were like what happens if there was a homeless man and he was really really rich and decided to live on the streets or what if there was a homeless man who had like a talent and we're like he was super talented and then um, like um, but he still chose to live on the streets and play his music on the street and yeah. not, not go to um, stuff. And then I was like, oh, like how can we add some type of like, psychological element to it? And I was like, um, 
like explore like the heart transplant can yeah. it be carried over and um like one of my um one of my best mates dad had a heart transplant and started like craving different foods and having these real, ah. real bizarre dreams and um like foods that he never liked and we were all like um like is it is it the heart wanting that i don't know and then That's like yeah weird. and i've heard like similar stuff like that a lot where they're like people um um like had the heart transplant and then started having like really bizarre dreams of like um different like a specific country all the time and stuff really yeah and i was like like if it's true or not but i thought like how fun is that to play with I and mean, then like yeah so just kind of merged it all together and then was like had the concept and then <laughs> just, just threw wrote, it all yeah, together and, and then, then just, yeah it was the story <laughs> yeah, and then just wrote the script so so when did you put pen to paper and start writing the script uh it was december 20 2020 okay yeah and then we shot it in um june um, 2021 mm-hmm. and um, then after post we premiered early this year yeah and um, got it straight into America we sold it to America pretty quickly mm-hmm. and then um, yeah now it's on Steam so yeah nice well I'm curious then um, because that's like quite a quick turnaround between you know finishing the script and then being up and shooting in terms of like the budget what is interesting to me when I watch the film and knowing it's an independent film, I think the thing that sets independent films apart is generally locations and um, cinematography, essentially. Mm. And you have a lot of big locations in this. Mm. Like you shoot in a hospital, like concert halls. Um, there's like the outdoor of like this big house at one stage. Mm-hmm. So like where how did you raise the funds for the film mm. and in terms of the locations i think um when we have Rachel Capani on i think she was the one that was saying like you got um a lot of help from the Newcastle locals to be like yeah of course mm-hmm. we'll give you this for free so yeah how how did the budget come about budget was um self funded so it was all for me wow okay um yeah so um not many people know that actually i've kept that on like the down low um but I guess it's out there now. Um, <laughs> well, I don't yeah. think that there's any shame in self-funding a film, yeah. you know, like especially yeah. when it's your first feature film. Yeah. And I think not a lot of people talk about it and they should yeah. because there's a lot of filmmakers out there that are like, oh, like we all should go the Screen Australia route or the Screen New South Wales when you can do it yourself and fund it yourself. Obviously, we all want to get paid one day and mm. so you don't want to continuously do that. But I think it's like everyone that starts off making their own work self-funds and we just don't talk about it enough. Yeah, yeah. Like it's worked out good in some senses because like now obviously when we sell it, Mm. the money's coming back to me. But I'm not too concerned about that. It's more um, the process of making the movie. I just want that to be more frequent. So as opposed to like I've had to distribute it all myself Mm -hmm. and like essentially produce the whole thing on my own. So my job as a director finished last June. Yeah. I don't want to I don't care about making the money that much on that side of this of this of, of it to um still be doing the work. I would rather just jump on and direct another project. So mm. it, it's it's good in some senses, but then it's like using up my time in another. Oh yeah. Um so now I'm like sitting up to three AM to write my scripts as opposed to doing it <laughs> having the luxury to do it during the day. Brutal. Yeah. But um no, it's fine. Yeah, like Newcastle really got behind it. So when we were filming, uh, we shot across 30, 35 locations That's in Newcastle. a lot. <laughs> yeah, and um, people were literally, because it was like we were shooting in in between, 
like COVID was a thing. So it was like lockdowns and no one was allowed to be around and it was like a maximum of five people in a room and then all of a sudden it was like nightclubs are open. So we're like, it was like, it was like every week it just kept changing. Yeah. And um, originally it was going to be a 30-day-long production and we, um, so we like had everything booked in and scheduled and we had like all the locations and everyone, like the Newcastle did get get behind it like a lot. It was mm. ridiculous. We had like extras, like 300 extras or something come out. We oh, had, my um, God. Yeah, like restaurants were just, there was a day one of the restaurants closed his doors for two days, like wow. in between all this when like, like they needed money, yeah. just closed his door and said, just film and like we just used his restaurant as like a set for the day. Um, the hospital wasn't a hospital. So oh. that's spoilers. Yeah, we um <laughs> it was a like a family practice. Okay. But we um same thing, they just they just shut up. That's shut that's up crazy yeah. for a medical center yeah, to they, close. Like it was ridiculous. So they normally would shut at like a certain time and they moved all their appointments to a certain time so oh we could shoot God. the second half of the day. Yeah. <laughs> and wow. um it was crazy how much everyone just supported it. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Like that. For people listening, that doesn't happen <laughs> ever. So that's like, that's crazy. I guess like you're really lucky in the sense that Newcastle, even though it's like, you know, Newcastle, it's not a small town, it still has that small town community feel. Mm. And that's probably why people got behind you because it's like, you know, people do support people. And like in the movie, the theme of like, you know, when Ellie comes to the city and people don't really care about each other, which is very true mm. in a city sense. And I think like not that, you know, you couldn't um, find people that do care about others in the city, but it is, it, it'd be so much harder to, you know, to uh, have those luxuries or those, um, you know, things that you got while shooting in Sydney, I would say. Mm. Yeah, that's that's blown my mind. Let's move to Newcastle <laughs> <laughs> and just make friends up there. Yeah. Um, so then with the actors, I'm curious about like, you know, with casting and stuff like that, um, you obviously cast Rachel Capani, who like does have star power behind her. Mm. And I think as filmmakers, we kind of have that interesting tightrope to walk, which is like you want to cast actors that are right for the role, but you also know in terms of marketing and you have to think about the business side of things that you have to cast people who are going to, you know, um, get their audience to watch the film. Mm. And so, yeah, how did you go about casting and in terms of like Rachel and stuff, who also was like right for the role? Mm. It's not that um, you cast people that weren't. But, yeah, what was that process like, kind of it being your first big feature? Yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure if Rachel told you as well. Um, but, like, well, i done all the casting on my own, so that was just a whole oh other thing God. I had to work out. I was reaching out to agents and <laughs> just trying to. Do you need a rest? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, I, need, I need a team, so tell people to come, come and join. Um, no, yeah, so, like, um, we actually had um, another actress signed for that role. Okay. And she had to pull out due to personal reasons. And Rachel took the, um, Rachel got the call like it was 48 hours notice. Oh, my God. Yeah, and she read the script and we jumped on a Zoom call at like 11 o'clock at night wow. and just spoke about kind of the character. Yeah. We're both on the same page. She drove up from like Sydney to Newcastle mm -hmm. the next day. We spent the whole day together <laughs> and we went through the script like, six times just going over like her character mm -hmm. what does she want where's she going like just really she had to do like all the preparation in a day mm. and then she went straight into like filming like a 70-hour week 
And I think that really just speaks how um like how much of a professional is to, mm. to just deliver such an amazing performance with like that much yeah. notice and prep and just immerse yourself in the role like it was yeah incredible yeah so if you like if it was all you casting it you're obviously teaching yourself the casting side of filmmaking as well how did you go about that like holding auditions knowing what you were looking for giving direction in an audition like how did you figure that out well we were it was in it was at the time, there was the um, it was like a lockdown when the COVID bit, so mm-hmm. it was just like a lot of it was the self tapes. Yeah, um, and I was chatting to I had a like a friend who was kind of recommending some people in the industry because like we we have a lot of people appear in the film even if it's just for a scene. Yeah, um, like there's a lot and some there's some scenes where there's like. Um, like four people, mm-hmm. um, like three, especially all the alleyway scenes yeah. and stuff like this. And it was just a matter of like just finding all these spots. Like when we like laid it down, how many roles we had to fill, there was a lot. And I was like, okay, it's an independent film. We're not going to have the budget here to add like everyone I know. So who were like the up-and-coming people or who was this mm. and that. So a lot of it was like um, recommendations. We were just going through IMDb, watching other films and like seeing wow. like, like where people are and then and then doing like stalking and working out who their who their agents are, then reaching out yeah. to them. Some would get through to some who wouldn't, and it was just just keep yeah. going and going and going until we slowly like got it all done. That's so interesting because like um, I don't know if you know this about actors, but we're always kind of like we're taught that, or we you know have these conversations that you just kind of never know how you're gonna um, get in front of directors and casting people because mm. it you know, usually with actors, it's like the casting director will email your agent, you go in for the audition, blah, 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 that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. But it's really interesting that this is a great example of a situation where a director is looking at other movies, looking on like, I don't know, Vimeo or something Mm -hmm. like that, looking on social medias from recommend, yeah, short films, recommendations. And so that's that's really interesting because, like, that's saying to actors, we just have no idea how people are going to find us. So to keep just putting content out there, doing those short films that you um, connect with and that you like the script and, you know, don't necessarily always get paid for, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. But doing those sorts of work in order to, you just never know who it's going to get mm-hmm. in front of, which is such an important lesson because otherwise we get stuck in this rut of like, oh, I'm waiting for an audition from the casting director yeah. and all that sort of thing when you should be out there kind of going, oh, okay, I'm going to just like put this thing out there and hope maybe someone sees it, maybe someone doesn't. But, yeah, that's really interesting that you go and kind of seek people out that way. Yeah, and you, you might have heard like a little bit of it in the dialogue like when I was writing it, but I'm a big believer in like the universe and law of attraction and like you put it out and it's going to come. So like um, mm-hmm. I think um, with that knowing like because I'm the same thing, like how do how is any, like, how do people know to contact me to direct it? To, to direct a film but I just know if yeah. I just put all my passion and love into these projects it's going to get seen at a film festival or even someone's going to stumble across it on YouTube and just yeah, yeah. the right person's going to see it and fall in love with it and then have to like they'll contact me and like bizarre stories like that happen like I don't know about for you but like in my life all the time like I'm always like bumping past with someone that was like oh it's just like how like you couldn't write that like you couldn't plan for that in the future you can only like connect the dots like looking yeah, back yeah. at it it's like if I didn't do that I wouldn't have met that person yeah but moving forward I had no intention to get anything from that it was just 
just part of the journey, I guess. But Oh, yeah, 100%. That's happened to me so often. And I am like, <laughs> we talk a lot about universe and um, law of attraction on this podcast as mm. well, because I'm definitely a big believer in that. And I think it's like, um, it's such a great way to combat all of the limiting beliefs that come along with being in this industry and having like dreams and aspirations and wanting things to happen. And it's so easy to get bogged down in that. Well, like, you know, subconsciously you could be saying, well, why, like, I'm not worthy of that. I'm not worthy of starring in a a big film. I'm not worthy of being in a TV show or like insert whatever limiting belief you want there. But I think, yeah, it's like... It's weird when you go, you know what, like, what if I actually believed that those things could happen? And as you said, like, it's really, really strange how things start to turn around and you are like, oh, like, I met that person just in passing Mm. and now we're working together and you could have never planned that out. And it's like the whole, like, trying to plan how to do things is never going to, like, get you to where you want to be. It's always like just kind of going, okay, I have the idea of what I want, which is to like direct a big film. And I'm just going to like do my best to put the things in place in order to get there. But the rest is up to the universe. The right people that are meant to be involved are going to be involved and so be it. And I think like whenever, you know, people are skeptical about it, like that's fine. But just like maybe once try like yeah. throwing caution to the wind and being yeah. like, just see what happens because yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, and it's not, I'll, I'll tell you a story, it's not really related to, um, it's not related to the film industry at all, but this is like the bit, the big one that kind of like made me um, just like, it just like just awakened my um, my thoughts towards it all. I was because... Mm. Um, I was in Hawaii and I think it was like 2014 and um, we're like surfing every day and we're like we're staying up like this backpackers and we've met this guy called Adam and he's a big wave surfer um, Mm. in Bali and I was planning the next year to go to South America with another mate of mine and I'm being chatting to him and he just finished a trip at South America. So like we're friends on Facebook and his profile picture was him crossing this bridge and in the background was a guy with a bag on his back and they're like proper like backpacking and they're like yeah, walking yeah. over this bridge like in like this jungle in Peru and I kept looking at it like it would come up on my feet all the time and um, I'm like, we're going to be doing that like next year. Like we're going to be doing that same thing. I kept looking at this same photo um, of Adam's photo because I'm like, 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 I can't wait to have that trip. And anyways, before that trip happened, me and another mate decided to go to America just for two weeks. So mm. we're flown over there and we're in New York. So there's like I think the whole population of Australia is in that city. <laughs> and we're out partying one night and I've met this guy and um, he's, we've spent the whole night with him and uh, we've got his number and we've met up with him again the next night and same thing. That's happened about four days in a row. And then I'm like, all right, see, I'll, I'll, we fly out tomorrow. And um, he's like, I'll get you on Facebook and we'll stay in touch. And yeah. I said, yeah, no worries. And he's from America. He's, mm. he's an American uh, bloke. And I'm like, yeah, cool. And um, put it in and there was like a problem with the signal. And he's like, oh, it'll load when I get back to Wi-Fi, blah, blah. And I'm walking down the street. I hear him screaming, Joy, and he's come running back. And I've like, I've turned around. He's like, we've got a mutual friend. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and it was the guy that I met in Hawaii and oh it was him God. in the photo. 
out of everyone I could have met. Oh, and I'm like, my God. Mate, I've been looking at the back of your head for like the last year. <laughs> I met Adam just while I was traveling. Yeah. He goes, I met him while I was traveling too. They, like, they just met one weekend as well. Oh, my God. And then we got in a group chat and we were just like, how is this possible? And it was just like, whether or not it was like I was, like I like to think I was looking at him. Yeah. Every, like, I feel like it was coming up all the time. Like, mm-hmm. weekly I'd see him coming up on Facebook. Like, mm-hmm. every time he had him commented, the profile picture, you know, you'd see it. And I was yeah. like, have I just, like, attracted him but to meet the person there yeah. into my life? I don't know. But, like, I've had, like, a lot of bizarre scenarios like that. And I just think when I approach, like, like my career, mm. that stuff's always in the back of my mind. Like, yeah. I know, like, if I put it out there and... um just keep thinking about it and just channeling it. It's sort of like a clear um, goal, like a want. Mm. Whether or not it's this way, I'll get it this way or Yeah, exactly. Sure. Like whatever the best um, best case scenario is. It's like because it's interesting um, with like manifestation as well. Um, I'll, you know, you have the thing that you want, but then I always generally say or something even better. Because sometimes the thing that you want isn't the best thing that you could possibly have. Mm. Like a really good example is like someone that you want to date and you're like, this person, like I really want to date this person, you know. Um, And then I, I always used to say, or someone even better. Because sometimes you're like your desires can be a bit clouded by where you're at in that moment and like where you're going to be in however many years' time, that thing or that person is not going to be on the same level as you anymore. And so, yeah, it's interesting. I've, uh, well, I can tell the story about how we got here to DM Studios. I always like with the podcast, um, like I, in my mind was like, well, I obviously want to up level with it. And I was doing it all myself for like at least three years before um, Liz came along. And Liz and I have no, I'm pointing because Liz is sitting next to me um, for people who watch this video. Um, and Liz and I have known each other for years and years. Liz used to be an actor and then went into producing um, and then decided she wanted to start a management company. And, like, at the time when Liz was starting her management company, I was kind of like, I don't, like, I want to, I want, I see myself, like, you know, having lots of listeners so I can influence lots of people because I think the information that's given in these episodes is really important, but I have no idea how that's going to happen. And, of course, because Liz is my friend, um, she took pity on me and (laughs) said... No, she she reached out and was like, well, hey, like, I can manage your podcast. And I was like, oh, sick. Like, this is awesome to have a team member. And then because of Liz, um, she is very good at her job and pitched us to DM, which is the network that we're signed to. And they were like, yeah, for sure. So that would have never happened if mm. it was just me kind of going along. And I had no idea how it was going to happen that we would, like, you know, take a step up in our um, in our business, but like, lo and behold, like I wouldn't have picked that one of my friends would have started a management company. Like that's such a random thing, but Mm. it's like having that vision of like, I, like, this is the reason why I want to do this thing because I think it's important and just kind of holding that and being like, the rest is, 
Mm. Yeah, I'm ready for it to come however it will kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, which is very interesting. We could talk about this stuff for hours. (laughs) We'd go down a rabbit hole. But um, so with beat then, um, it's quite a heavy concept, I guess. Um, In a sense, we were saying it's like a drama sort of thriller. Um, So with kind of directing roles like that, how what is your approach to it do you like have a a clear vision of what you'd like the actors to do and it's a collaboration or are you more of like a you kind of let the actors have an idea and just let loose yeah i um i really i i gave a lot of the um actors freedom to like within their role like even like if you don't want to say these particular words like I know some directors are like so say the the exact Mm -hmm. word I was like like when you're in the character if you feel like it's going to be this 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 like Mm -hmm. I'm not concerned as long as like the the subtext like the message is the same yeah I'm happy with that and I just I guess I just my big thing was I wanted to um, I'll say like I, I focus on directing the emotion so I've been through enough emotional things in my life to know um a feeling like so even like when I was directing like Kevin and the like the guys are walking down the street mm. or something I would say um like as opposed to just I, I, and I'm not sure because I've been on other people's set sets but as opposed to like saying um do this technique I would like tell them a story and paint this picture of like this is where you're at and this is the emotions you're feeling and then the next take they would they would have it so mm. it's kind of like and I'm not sure like what the what the approach for most people are is like is like but. I guess like yeah. I'd really try to like direct via emotion. That's really interesting because mm. like that's a great way to direct. I think um, like a lot of directors, it's more like, hey, this is the scenario, off you go. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, cool, which is fine because yeah. it's an actor's job to work out, you know, the nuances of the script and the character in that moment. But it's very interesting that you direct via emotion and like, did that come from being inspired by other directors or like watching some sort of movies that inspired yeah. you to do that? I love um I love Martin Scorsese and I love like Christopher Nolan's films heaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but same thing like I don't know how they direct. I just I just know I love like their stories. Yeah. Um, which like my next one has a lot of um, uh, it's very like a Nolan base like where we're playing with time. Yeah. Okay. Um. And stuff, but in terms of like the emotion, I guess it was the same thing. Like I've never done an acting class. I didn't know any actors. Um, even like for victim, we reached out to like theatre actors. Like I just didn't know anyone in the industry at all. Yeah. So I was just like, I know what I need to see on screen, and I've been through enough stuff like through my travels and um, um, just own personal things and like my own mental like health battles and just like family things and relationships and whatever. I was like, I know, I feel like I can tell a story to the person to get them in that state to yeah. to go and deliver it. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great example of like um, you have to live your life in mm. order to gain experiences to have something to say in movies yeah. and in um, productions and on screen. It's, you know, I think because we spend so much of our lives working Mm. in this industry and working on what we want it's you know it's hard to 
go, you know what, I'm going to take an extended holiday and just yeah. go and experience life or even on weekends be like, what, like, what am I doing that's not related to the industry at all? But yeah. it's like, it's such a hard balance because obviously, especially actors, you know, we have to um, go to acting classes and uh, do self-tapes and all that sort of thing on a weekly basis, if not like, you know, not that you have to do it weekly. Um but it's it's hard to balance that with giving yourself a break. And I'm sure mm. because you do a million things, yeah. <laughs> like you well, find it hard to take a break as well. Well, I guess when, um, like I've, I've traveled to more than 50 countries. Wow. Yeah. So like, but I, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I was literally like, um, just, I was working like a sales job and I just felt so lost and I was beating myself up and I felt like I needed a career and I need to know all this. And um, I just went, fuck it. I'm just going traveling. Like I'm mm. just going to just travel until I just figure out what I want to, like what I want to do. Like because I just loved it. That's a very common thing for people to like just upheave their life and go. You know what? I'm going traveling. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a great way to gain experience yeah. very, very quickly as yeah. well. Because you know, um, especially if you're not going traveling with your family, you don't have a support network immediately in the same country mm. as you, and so yeah. it's very. Um, character building i yeah. think like yeah you're, you're saying i'm busy and stuff and it's like back then i had all the time in the world mm. and i spent it doing that and then that was what kind of put me on the path of i'm going to like tell these stories and stuff now and i remember hearing like a um someone told me like the red hot chili peppers they um every person in the band was so talented and the singer to, in his own eyes he's like i can't sing mm. but i have life experiences and that I've lived and I have them emotions that I can put into the words when I'm saying them mm. and that will make up for my lack of ability to sing. Yeah. And I feel as if that's like, in a sense, the things I've lived and the things I've done makes up for not having, not coming from an acting background or not doing it since I was like 12 in a professional sense, like just always mucking yeah. around. But like when I'm on set chatting to um, these actors or whatever, like, I'm making up from it and kind of in a unique way from doing things that I'd say almost no other director has done or seen or experienced. Mm. So it's, it's kind of what has given me that edge. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, to be honest, you can learn all the techniques in, you know, directing or acting that you want, but I think it's like, it, you know, how many stories do we hear of actors that have, you know, made it big and they're like, and they never went to acting school. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, I, I don't think acting school's the point. Mm. I don't think, you know, coming from a director background and doing mm. directing courses is the point. I think they're ways to guide you and examples to give you, especially like speaking as an actor when you learn acting techniques. Um, it's like, guidance essentially it's not that you turn up to set and you're like okay and um, I'm going to implement my Stanislavski techniques because yeah. um, that's the actor that I am it's like some days you can go oh remember that that one tiny thing that I learned in that exercise in that class I'll use that for this scene mm. but then in the next scene you could just be doing something completely different and I think it, that's why at the crux of it all, what makes you a good creative is bringing yourself to the role. Yeah. 
And, you know, growing as a person means that your work's going to also get better and grow as well. Yeah. And so, and it took me a while to work that out as an actor as well. I think, like, no one tells you that. Mm. And so you kind of have to figure out, like, that that's the way that it works best. Yeah. Which is tough. Yeah. And, you know, like, especially you know, with all mental health and stuff like that, working through that as a person and trying to, like, because mental health is a part of us all. Like, we all have certain degrees of mental health struggles, some more than others. And so, um, like, and especially in the creative industry, it's like depression and anxiety is uh, rampant (laughs) Um, because I think creatives feel so much and we have to bring all the feelings to our work. And so... To kind of be juggling that whilst putting that into our work as well is really tough Mm. because you have to do it in a healthy way. But like that's also just kind of a trial and error as well. And I know certainly for me, like um, bringing elements of that into my acting work, like I've only been able to do that because I'm a more mature person now. Yeah. Like if I was trying to... Um, do that like five years ago, I think I would have been an absolute mess. Like I would have just like crumbled and I like wouldn't have been a good actor. I think like, yeah, it's hard to uh, try and grow as an actor when it literally just takes time. And, you know, like that classic thing of being a creative and like, I want it now. Like I don't want to wait until I'm 35. Like I, We're all impatient. Yeah, yeah. When's my break (laughs) coming? (laughs) The the biggest thing that I've I've just had like a realisation too is like for like the I want it now or uh, growth, like um, I want to be like there's a standard of a director I want to be. There's a Mm. um, standard of... um, productions I want to be on like like I want the all the pressure give it to me but wishing that has come with now you have to like I've, it's kind of put me in these positions I felt looking back at it where I've had to edit the whole film I've had to do all the distribution on my own mm. it's like that's preparing me now for like you ask for strength you don't get strength you get everything thrown at you to make you strong mm-hmm. and it's like I know the director I want to be and it's like I wouldn't I'm not going to become that unless I go through all this stuff, like learning every single part of the, yeah, of the piece, like how to make the movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, it's funny how like it comes around. Like, I just want that now. It's like, no, well, you need to go through all this first. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, it's really frustrating, and it's also like it teaches you what you want in a team as well. Like Mm -hmm. when you have to do everything, like for podcasting, when I had to edit it all myself. Um, it really made me go, okay, so if I was to hand this off to an editor, like I know what they need to show me, like the the base of what they need to show me, they have to be better than what I'm doing in mm. order for me to want to work with them. Yeah. And that's great because you then form a team around you which is a strong team and which is like people that are like-minded to you, which is people that you should work with rather yeah. than just being like, oh, who's like the most famous or best known person because like, yeah, that's all well and good to have people like that, but it becomes very difficult and it doesn't feel right when they're not like on the same 
page as mm. you in terms of stuff, which is like, you know, obviously all the actors that you worked with on Beat were on the same page and yeah. is why it worked so well. Yeah. And yeah. all the crew and I guess, and that's the thing with like independent films is it's not like people are just coming on to do to do this for money. Mm. It's They read the script and they're like, yeah, I, I, I like this and I want to be a part of this. Mm. I think it's important. So it filters out a lot of them people straight up. And then I guess the second part is like um, being like a leader, like not just like getting in and doing it all with everyone and like everyone's equal and we're all just doing our roles and it's mm. fun and not just this like this hierarchy that exists but like remove it and just we all go in and just do our thing. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Um, I want to ask you about the documentary that mm, you're filming yeah. at the moment, One Conversation, which is also to do with mental health and that side of things. How So documentaries are also completely different to like, you know, scripted yeah. um, drama. How did the documentary come about? So... Another funny story. Um, uh, I was so Craig is an ABC uh, sports broadcaster, mm-hmm. and after uh, Victim won all the international awards, he had me on the ABC radio and interviewed me. Mm. And um, before and after the interview, just chatting about like the universe and all this stuff. And we should go grab a coffee one day. So, cut a long story short, with um, I've then because I, I didn't realize like he had like his whole story and he's published two books and one's a four time bestseller and that all come up at the at the um when we're having coffee and then I'd done beat and he's got like a little 15 second role at the end he's the last person that introduces Ellie to come out and play at the big theater mm. um and um but j- just hearing his story I said we should we should do like a little just like a little like it was going to be like a two minute thing where like he was going to sit at the camera and talk and just some cutaway footage and just something just nice to put on social media and then that slowly led into like let's do like a little four minute one and then could we have someone else's perspective hearing about it? And he's mates with Paul Harrigan and everyone knows him from playing football. So um, we've done an interview with the chief and then I said it'd be good to have a um, like a professional like in the industry. So then we got uh, Professor Kay um, Lampkin on board. So she's one of the leading academics at the moment and then Jessica Rowe. And it just like it just – and we're like, okay, cool. We're doing a 10-minute short doc <laughs> now. And um, – yeah, we uh, released that on the 8th of September, which was Are You OK Day? And um, that's out there now. And, like, the just the response we've got from that has been so overwhelming, like people just, like, reaching out and sharing their stories with us and mm. um, stuff. We're actually now uh, moving forward. We're looking at making a feature-long documentary version right. of that. But it'll be, yeah. like, a follow, like, a um, the next um, type of – it's not like going to be, like, a one conversation again. It's kind of, like, the next step of it, I yeah. guess. So, um, yeah, we're chatting to some producers and um, some networks at the moment trying to get that up off the ground. So, okay. um, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And so Craig's story is that he had a breakdown. Yeah, so he was, was he was supposed to, like he was at the train station. He was meant to get on the train and come down and um, be the broadcaster at the Sydney Olympics. Oh, wow. And, yeah, he's at the train station to drive, to, like to come down and do this and he has a complete mental breakdown. And he's like storming up and down, abusing people. Uh, got oh my god! Four police um, rocked up, and uh, he had a scrap with the police. Got locked up and was in a um, mental institution for the next three weeks, and was di- oh diagnosed with uh, bipolar one disorder mm-hmm. and um, se- severe depression, and wanted to commit suicide. And like this is twenty years ago. He's since um, published two books, and one's a four-time bestseller, and he's a um, 
uh, Beyond Blue ambassador. He goes around now and like sold out seminars. Like he was down in Adelaide last weekend, and um, in the documentary, I went up to a country town. It was um, Corinda, and like filmed him just talking to like farmers and stuff because uh, suicide rates in uh, farmers are very high. Mm. Yeah. So, so what he's turned that into, and um, just spreading the word now around mental health and everything has just been incredible. Mm. It must be must have been crazy for him as well. Like you know, uh, struggling with bipolar in a sports commentator sense because, Mm. you know, like especially back when the Sydney Olympics were on, which was 2000, like the, you know, no one would have talked about mental health in the sports industry then. And that, yeah, that must have been crazy to have dealt with that and to, yeah, that's insane. That's a crazy story. Yeah, it's... um. But we're hoping like it, it does some good now and especially after um, um, everything that's just happened with Paul Green and um, like Craig being a sports broadcaster um, is tied to a lot of like the NRL and like, Paul Harrigan's in it. So um, we know there's some people in the NRL that have been like high up mm. that have been watching the documentary and they're in talks to seeing if they can like kind of help us get it up off the ground. So wow. um, like if it saves one life, then it's it's done an amazing job. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. In terms of like, so, you know, obviously beats about homelessness and that, well, half of it's about homelessness, I yeah. would say. Yeah. And then now like one conversation's about, um, you know, mental health issues and suicide and that sort of thing. How do you kind of go about um, keeping yourself in check and making sure you're okay working on this stuff? Mm. Because, you know, like obviously it's really important Mm. to get this stuff out there, but it does take a toll on you as a person. Like I can certainly say writing a script about, you know, mental health stuff and suicide I sometimes, you know, go into it being like, oh, like sick, gonna write the script. And you walk away being like, fuck, like, yeah, like that's heavy. And you just like, it really does take a toll on you. So, how do you kind of keep yourself in check working on that stuff? Be- beat was fine. I wrote the script really quickly. Um, I didn't have uh, emotionally, like, it, it was fine. Craig's was a bit um, hard because there was a lot of, like we had about four hours worth of content we had to get down to that 10 minutes. <laughs> and there was a lot wow. of stuff that I left out purposely that is just as good as what you see. Yeah. But so we've got so much more to put in when we make the long the long um, format of it. Mm. So um, it was hearing all that, like in the headphones when I'm editing, mm. like and like when you're editing, like you'll hear the same word, you'll go back and like move some clips around and play it again and like, hearing like I'm suicidal, I'm suicidal and like these things the whole time. It started like not that it started getting my mental health down but I could feel like the weight of yeah. it. And um, when people were reaching out like just in the last few weeks and telling us their stories, I feel for them like yeah. so, so, so much. Um, and funnily enough, like my, ne- my next movie is a romance thriller and I'm thinking it's going to be like my first one because Victim was about domestic violence yeah. and I'm like it's somehow like they just keep being these social issues. The next one's a romance thriller. It's not going to have none of these themes. I've probably it's going to be more, romantic as yeah, fuck. Yeah, it, it, it was meant to be, <laughs> but I've probably been more writing that, like getting yeah. myself in that headspace. There's a lot of um, he basically leaves his wife to go to be with this younger woman right? and the emotional 
for some reason, I was really put myself in that position yeah. when I was writing it and that affected me more. And yeah. I was like, it, it was meant to be like definitely like a thriller theme, but I, it was the last project I thought I was going to feel any of that from. Mm. Writing that was probably harder than like writing Beat or editing Craig's doc. I don't know why, yeah. Yeah, I mean like maybe because like as you say, uh, with homelessness, like we are so lucky that we have a home that we can, you know, have a bed and go home to, whereas something like a, you know, a relationship that breaks down because of something is a bit closer to home mm. because, you know, maybe you have or haven't been in a relationship. Like, um, and that is like you could picture what it would take to get into the mindset of doing that. Whereas like with homelessness, unfortunately for a lot of us, it feels so mm. like at arm's length like you can't really picture what yeah. it would be like you know yeah i don't know yeah i don't know <laughs> i'm trying to solve it for you <laughs> yeah i've um i've spent a lot of time like on the streets talking to people and even like up in newcastle like my mum would she'd gather clothes and she'd go to salvos all the time and she'd buy stuff and just like once a week she'd go in and just give homeless people clothes or shoes or uh, i started going in with her and we'd just be talking to them and just spend time like just a couple of hours just chatting to them and giving them, does this fit? And mum's giving them the, the ladies' handbags. and mm. um, But it's still one of them things like you, there's there's different levels of knowing. Like if I said to you now, put a jumper on, it's cold outside and you chuck it on, and you walk out and it was colder than you thought. You're like, I knew he said it was cold. Mm. But now it like it sinks in on a different level. It's like, mm. oh, it's cold. Yeah. It's like oh, I went to Africa. Uh, I was meant to film a documentary and we got locked in a compound and, um, yeah, it was, and it was, it was, what? it was really, really bad. We um, we had to get gun escort out of the area and all this stuff. And I knew what I was getting into. And the guy that took me over there, that owned the charity, showed me photos of the people that were like starving. Oh my god! And I was like, yeah, like I, I understand, like they're like they're starving. He's like, there's people that will stand up that haven't stood up in like two weeks because they can't. They're running out of energy, and we'll be giving them food. And I'm like, okay, I understand. Like, I know. Yeah. Like, he showed me photos and he's told me. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, people like um, get killed over there all the time, and there's guns and all this stuff. I said, yeah, I know. And we're over there, and then I'm photographing these people, and like, there's no. We're in the middle of like North Kenya, like near the border of um, South Sudan, and um, these people are living in little mud houses. They don't have like IDs. They don't have water they don't have electricity like it gets dark they go in these little mud houses they don't have a door mm. and um they don't have food and we're giving him food and i'm like he i knew all this he told yeah. me about it all and i'm like i'm there and i'm like there's people there's like a lady walking along with like eight children behind her they're all naked they don't have clothes she's walking around with a spear and here's the car and like turns to like what's what's that and i'm like there's people living like that on Earth still. Like I didn't think that was a thing. Mm. That sounds like something like you'd hear like a thousand years ago. Yeah. And he showed me. It was just that level of understanding and knowing. It was just like yeah. it's so, I don't know, you can't prepare for it. No, you can't. You really can't prepare for it. It's like, yeah, it, you, it's, you know, you see so much in f- movies and stuff as well that you think, oh, I've seen that in movies or I've seen dead bodies in Mm. movies or whatever. But when you see one in real life, Mm. it's like, oh, like this is real. Mm. And I think, yeah, we live in such a time where because of the internet, because of social media, we're exposed to so much that we kind of become almost like you you 
don't put two and two together. But then when you see it in real life, it's like, oh, fuck, like this is a a thing that I can touch. It's really like in front of me. And yeah, yeah, that's that's a wild story. Mm. Yeah, it's just, um, it's, yeah, you can never prepare for it. And so it's why it's so important to have things in place constantly to check in with yourself and to make sure that you're okay because you can't deliver the message that you want to deliver in the best way possible when you're not okay, Mm. you know. And it, like, as you said, with the script that you just finished, like, you never know when it's going to pop up. You can't really predict it. And so that's why it's important to, like, have these things in place. So when you do start to feel it come in for whatever reason, you can be like, oh, okay, like, I know what this feeling is. I don't know why it's coming up right now, but that's not the point. Yeah, You know, I need to check myself before I wreck myself. (laughs) (laughs) And and channel it into creative projects Mm, and, um, like, get great stories out of it and create from it. Yeah, definitely. I think um, think that's the source of, like, all good creations. Like, um, the closer it is to home, Mm. like, the more creative it feels. Yeah. Like, it feels, it it always feels more special. Mm. You feel more vulnerable sharing it. Even yeah. like writing dialogue, yeah. Um, and you'll say something like, "I'll like you write a piece of dialogue," and you're like, "That's something I would say," and it feels so vulnerable when you hear the character say it back, and especially at the premiere and you're sitting in the cinema with like 250 people in the room, and they're speaking the words that you think and speak, or um, sometimes you fully believe, or sometimes I just think maybe someone else thinks like that, but it's still it's such a vulnerable feeling to think like, what, what how's everyone perceiving this? Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's also like it's interesting when you do, you know, open up and have that vulnerability, like how many people come back and they're like, oh, my God, I thought I was alone in mm. feeling that or, oh, my God, like I relate to that so much. And you're like, oh, thank God. Because I was going to look like an idiot, you know, like it's just really interesting. Like it's hard. It's really hard to share those things. But like, you know, when you do take that step and you do take that leap of faith to be like, I just really feel like I'm meant to share this, even though it's really hard and doesn't, you know, doesn't make me feel the best too. It's still like, yeah, the amount of times it comes back to you in the best of ways to be like, yeah. You know, that's that's the why of that thing. When you have a strong why, it like, you know, it's the best um, motivator yeah. for a project. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, Definitely. Yeah. And I think I think as like humans, like that's how we connect is through stories. Like mm. as long as we were around, like, I just I feel as if like the hunter gatherer phase, they'd come back and tell the story about how they got the food they're eating. Now, like, we'll just yeah. always tell stories or um, t- to some extent and, like, being able to, like, um, connect with other people and leave something behind. Like, like that's how I look at my movies to, is to think, like, kids, 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 kids forever can, especially if the internet's around and um, the human race is still here, can access and watch these movies and, like, understand the thoughts I was thinking mm. uh, through, like, my films. And yeah. it's... um. Just leaving that behind just feels like meaning, like really, really meaningful. Mm. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with that. Mm. Well, Jai, 
thank you so much for being on the podcast. I feel like we covered so much yeah. ground. Thank you for having me. No worries. Um, do you have anything that you want to plug before we wrap up? Um, Obviously, Beat. No, yeah, just go and watch Beat. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, that's pretty much it. Cool. And I'll put um, your social medias down below thank as well you. so people can go and follow you. And Beat is on Stan. Yep. So go on to Stan and watch it if you haven't already. But Jai, thank you so much for being here and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me.